What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you on a Tuesday morning from Los Angeles as the LA Clippers currently sit one game under 500 on today's podcast. Andrew Greit from the LA Times, a friend of the pod, comes back and joins us to chat about the stretch run, three games remaining, and then it's the play-in game, and then perhaps the playoffs and a matchup against either Phoenix or or Memphis. Before we get to Andrew listeners, please take a moment to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition, provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. Let's get straight into him. Andrew Grind from the LA Times, currently braving the Los Angeles traffic on his way to the practice facility, joins us now. Andrew, Welcome back on the show, my guy. Thank you very much for having me. So you and I were talking right before we started this podcast about how strange this season has been, especially in the last month or so, where it kind of has felt like a foregone conclusion that the Clippers were going to end up being in that play-in spot, whether that's the 7 seed, the 8, the 9, the 10, whatever it was, it kind of felt like it was inevitable the Clippers would be in the play-in game. So there really has not been a whole lot to get excited about, get upset about this season because their fate was basically determined. For you, how strange has that been as someone that's been covering the team and been watching all the games and trying to write about this team each and every day? Yeah, it sort of feels like um, representative of the season as a whole for me where the Clippers all year have been sort of flying under the radar and they've sort of had their potential capped. from the very start, when when you knew Kawhi Leonard wasn't going to start the year or maybe play at all, that 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 starts the season at a certain point where you go, okay, well, um, you know, they're probably not going to be a top three team in the West, right? Um, so all year it sort of felt like there's been this expectation of what is likely going to happen with their their level of success this year. Um, I, obviously, I, the last two months have been um, different. I think that it's really taken on like elbow watch. And, um, you know, like sesamoid bone uh, fracture watch for Norm Powell. Like it's sort of just become, okay, how close are the injured guys? Um, What could that mean? How much time is left to get them back in the lineup? That's sort of been the only, uh, I guess, like not not the only, the most outward suspense for what is still yet to come for them. Uh, But there's been things along the way, right? Like we've seen, you know, I think there. Robert Covington, um, his defense every game seems to be something that I think Clippers fans really respond to, and obviously his 11 three-pointers. You know, you've seen bright spots for Kennard and Amir Coffey and Terrence Mann. Uh, I think Terrence Mann's like, especially the way he kind of was up and down to start the year, the way he's finished it on sort of like an upswing to me is notable. Um, so, yeah, there's been there's been moments where I think that Clippers fans can either pull their hair out or have celebrated these last couple months, but it is definitely like we all know where this is headed. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up all those individual names because you can throw Zoo in there too where he went through that stretch of double-doubles and he had one game where he blocked five-plus. I mean, it's certainly one of those things where every single game there's somebody else that's kind of stepping up for the Clippers and that was certainly the case pre-Paul George when you needed to have Reggie Jackson take over for a game. Marcus Morris took over. Batum had his monster game, I believe, against Indiana. So you have every single player that is taking on a different role each game and trying to provide that scoring and 
doing what it takes to win. And it says a lot. I mean, we've talked all season about what Ty Lue has done this season. I mean, I think you give this Clippers roster, as much as Clippers fans love this roster and think that all these guys are very good players and certainly play a role on this team, I don't think that the majority of coaches could do what Ty Lue has done this season and put this team on track to finish at 500. I mean, the schedule is certainly favorable in the final three, where two of the three you would think could be wins against Oklahoma City, uh, for sure, and I believe Sacramento the other. So you look at this team, and they could finish 41-41. and 41. If you would have told Clippers fans that was going to be the case, and Kawhi wouldn't play a single game, you would trade for Norman Powell, he would play three games, and Paul George missed the majority of the season, you would certainly take it. So it says a lot about what uh, Ty Lue has done. Would you agree with that assessment? I would, absolutely. And, and I think that there's a good chance, I mean, there's a chance they could win all three games, depending on how much they want to go for it. And versus, I what Ty Lue said is that this is a time to ramp up, not to rest, because they rested the the veterans like Batum and Morris and Jackson weeks ago, so that if there was a chance to get Paul George back, they could all ramp up together the playoffs. So I think they will take these three games fairly hard. And depending on what Phoenix does with their number one seed long ago locked up, you know, I could see them potentially, you know having a chance to win all three and get that winning season um uh, on tie though yes i agree uh, i think the people around the league totally agree with that assessment that what he's done is not what maybe the replacement level coach would do with um under the circumstances um you know they've lost some they've lost some bad games there have been some games um where it's been uh you know you just kind of go what's going on here like the chicago game at the end or you're like what the final seven seconds were kind of make you scratch your head but there have been so many other games where they they should have had no reason to win them, and they did. That um, you you kind of you have to put that at the feet of Ty Lue um, because you ask players about it, and they all point to him, and they all say, you know, I, uh, you know, this, you know, Ty, what he does is unique. How we respond to him is unique. Um, so I'm actually going to write a story about that next week about sort of like going to the playoffs about Ty Lue, and there's just a lot of a lot of goodwill around him in terms of like the the fact that he won't let teams succumb to uh like a malaise or just this feeling of well we've lost this one um that's not this is not the case with him now here's an interesting point to kind of add to that and i'm curious i mean as we build on the Ty Lu narrative and how great of a coach he's been and now pg is back and i want to get your take on this and i'll give you mine first I am fascinated to know what the expectations now are for this Clippers team, because now that you have Paul George back in the mix, you could make a case that if Norman Powell comes back, that this Clippers team is better than the one last year that went to the Western Conference Finals. And so as a fan, I'm in a weird spot because I went this entire season kind of not getting high, not getting low, because I figured this team would be about average. No Kawhi Leonard, PG's hurt. You kind of were just going with the flow and seeing how things went. And now you bring back Paul George. There's a chance that Norman Powell returns soon and adds that scoring punch to the lineup. You have Covington, who's been fantastic. You've got the normal guys of Batum, Reggie Jackson, Zoo, Morris. I mean, it really feels like this team if the Clippers were to beat Memphis, let's say Memphis is the opponent in that play-in game, you would think that the Clippers should have a shot to beat Memphis, as good as Memphis has been against the Clippers this season. It feels like with the Clippers team, the one that 
went to the Western Conference Finals last year and could have pushed Phoenix to the brink, has a chance to beat Memphis and very well could go to the Western Conference Finals again. What do you feel like the expectations are for this team? You know, that's a good question. That's something I hadn't really thought about in terms of like the emotional wavelengths fans have been riding where, yeah, you sort of have steeled yourself for um, like maybe a fun, but ultimately not um, uh, as successful a season as last year in terms of the playoff run only now to get them back and you sort of go, Oh my gosh, I'm like, I gotta get my heart broken because now my expectations have been raised. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I do think that, you know, especially if Norm Powell can get back, I think you do need to raise your expectations. You know, now Memphis has been a horrible matchup all year for them. Yeah. Um, so I think I don't, there's no way to game this um, without angering the basketball gods. If you were to like try to, lose the first play in game, but win the second, like there's no way that works out karmically or that actually succeeds. <laughs> I think, uh, I've heard coaches talk about like, don't mess with the game. So I don't think the Clippers would like want to try to do that. One, because again, just karmically, it feels bad Two, you're really asking for the number one seed, but I don't think there's like a ton of fear about Phoenix, you know, having played them last year in the conference finals while severely shorthanded, because remember it wasn't just Kawhi. It was Marcus Morris who was hobbled. It was, zoo who was out at the end um everyone else was running on fumes you know the fact they took them that far and then the way they played right before the all-star break in phoenix norm powell had just been hurt um and they hung in there really till the end they made a comeback i just i think they match up better with phoenix than or we've seen them with um memphis all year the way memphis attacks and gets inside and i've heard the discussion that like you know uh well memphis only has like one real shooter i understand that but like they scored 70 plus points in the paint twice against the Clippers. That's why they don't need outside shooting against the Clippers. So um, I, it would be really hard to get through that matchup. I think, uh, I mean, either of those two matchups clearly, but I don't, I think that if I was a fan, like I would let myself open up to be hurt because um, they, I mean, they do have a ton of talent and they have guys who are um, kind of, I think ready to kind of, assume different roles, even though it's super late in the year. And that's kind of an awkward thing of like, okay, Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson, you were driving our whole offense. Thank you so much. Now, please step to the side. Now, please take five fewer shots a game. Um, That's hard. You know, Luke Kennard, what's up? Is he in the playoff rotation? Amir Coffey's out of the rotation now. Um, So it's going to be a weird change um, if they can get Norm Powell back. But I do think that you sort of have to raise expectations and go in thinking, yeah, this is a pretty good team. And here I am thinking that this is a year that I can possibly not avoid having my heart broken. <laughs> and here you are, Andrew, telling me that I need to open my heart to possibly being broken. It's, I, I was afraid of that answer, but I think you're right. It really does feel like the way this team is coached and the team chemistry within this Clippers squad, it just feels like they can beat anyone anywhere. And I hadn't even thought about that phoenix versus memphis thing and i'm glad you brought it up because phoenix has been unbelievable this year but they are really hobbling towards the finish line where they're losing games that of course don't matter much but you wouldn't expect them to lose and they've been fantastic all season and like you said i mean the clippers have been right there with them and the matchup certainly is interesting though and i I would think that you'd agree that memphis would be the easier matchup, especially if John Morant was indeed hobbled and wasn't a hundred percent. I mean, if Morant wasn't around, it certainly feels like you definitely would want Memphis over Phoenix, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if Jaw can't go, then clearly I yeah. would. I think that the Clippers would view Memphis as the marginally easier route to go through one of those top two teams for sure. Um, but I just, yeah, the way Memphis has attacked them all year, I mean, they just they've been ruthless in scoring on them inside and grabbing offensive rebounds and uh, pummeling them inside the paint and really just sort of even bigger than those specific areas of complaint. I think that Ty Lue's bigger issues in some of those games against Memphis is that he just felt like they were pushed around and they didn't answer. And obviously I don't, I wouldn't expect that to be the case in a playoff game or a playoff series where everyone knows the stakes are different than games in November and December. But um, you know, there, that is a thing where Memphis comes in with absolute uh, no respect for their elders, which I love about them. Um, you know, we've shown that we've seen that with LeBron, the way they've talked about LeBron this year, like they don't care that this is only their second series um, together as a core group after last year against Utah. So um, they're going to push around teams and try to push them around. So Clippers would have to be prepared for that, whether they have jaw or not. Uh, and that's what makes Memphis so difficult, I think, is like they are they're that team that doesn't know any better, uh, yeah. that they should be scared or they should or like there are suddenly expectations on them and there's pressure. They don't they don't act that way because they've never really, cons- cons- I guess, concerned themselves with like other people's expectations. That's my read of it anyway. Yeah. So uh, I think they're really dangerous that way. Yeah, that's certainly the scariest part of that team is when they really feel like they have nothing to lose. And this Memphis team is oddly in that situation, despite being the number two seed. feels like everybody's talking about Phoenix and kind of thinking that, okay, Phoenix will go to the finals. And Memphis is here just super young saying, maybe we're here a little bit earlier than people expected, but hey, we can beat anyone. And so it, it's certainly something to fear. So we'll see. How that shakes out, it'll be it'll be fascinating. I think it'll be a fun series no matter what, who the Clippers face, and I think the Clippers can win. The only thing I'm not looking forward to, Andrew, and I know you're right there with me, is going game to game. Is Kawhi coming back? Like I, I'm just not looking forward to that during the playoffs because you know that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a lot to go 0-100 to 100, um, in a playoff series going from off to the side you know, recovering to potentially a playoff series. Ty Lue has said that that would not be his preference to throw a guy in there. I mean, obviously, if you were going to do that, to go down that road, I mean, you would probably want a two-time finals MVP to be that guy. I mean, who understands playoff basketball like few others. So I guess there's that. Um, But yeah, you know, we don't know, obviously, Kawhi's uh, desire to do that. all All we have from him is something that has been sort of my guiding light all year with with regard to Kawhi is the thing he told us on media day about, Hey, I structured my contact contract because I want to play this year if, if there's a chance. So we all know that at least early on, there was a, a hope and a thought. And I guess we find out if there was, um, you know, how he views this roster's readiness to go and, and whether his, his knee is ready to meet that challenge and push them and their potential a little higher than it would be. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I I just don't know with him. And it's funny because you, you mentioned the contract. And I was saying before the season started that it made all the sense in the world for him now to come back with that contract because he had nothing to lose. Whereas if he came back and he got hurt, then he would have gotten crushed on the open market when he tried uh, to enter free agency. So it, it makes sense for him to come back. And uh, I think we're kind of going to be game to game, which is brutal. And what you don't want as a Clipper fan, because it gives you that hope that Kawhi is in the distance and could possibly be there as your shining knight and armor. But I don't know if it's actually going to happen. 
Um, we'll talk more injuries in just a second, but hey, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use the code ETHOS when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, over at thrivefantasy.com. So you're at practice. You're going to be watching them shortly. Do we have any insight in Norman Powell and when he could be returning? Because we get the Instagram post that he um, throws out there of the eyes emoji possibly returning soon. We got the report on uh, TNT last week that it was 7 to 10 days possibly. What are you hearing with Norman Powell and his possible return? Yeah, I mean, there's optimism that he can work out. And we're in that window now where, um, you know, having seen him on the court to take that public workout before the game against um, New Orleans on Sunday, um, that that looked like a player who is capable physically of working out uh, to some degree to, uh, you know, at least maybe in some sort of practice setting. So we'll ask Ty today about more about what that could look like. I'm curious if he's even out there right now um, or when I walk in the building. But he is, I mean, he, when he was working out on the court, there was some explosiveness to what he was doing, like, you know, doing, God, taking a ball, um, doing like a faux drive through the lane, um, rising for a layup. I mean, so it wasn't like it was all just set shooting. So he was definitely accelerating and leaping off that foot that had been hurt, which leads to some confidence, I think, that, Hey, this could be possible. Um, you know, I, it's a tough. I mean, it's 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 a tough injury because it's on your foot, and you're just playing. Obviously, everything you do in basketball is based on the the forces you're putting on your feet. So, I think that they would be really cautious with it. You know, like does he really want to do it? But the fact that he's here right now, and you know, does he? It's a weird thing to say, but like, would he even have to play in the play-in? I'm not sure. I might find the Clippers. I might say. Uh, do we just kind of like give you that extra week and then hope and pray that we get in the first round series and that's when we would bring you back? Maybe that's the case. Um, but we, uh, there's, let's put it this way. There's definitely optimism. They never shut him down for a reason. They've never shut down Kawhi for a reason. Um, if, if this thing can go a little longer than people might expect in terms of the playoff run, then, then yeah, I think there's definitely a chance that um, we can see him again. Based on what you've seen uh, practice-wise with players coming back from injuries and how they ramp up and what they do when they ramp up, does it feel like this could be a thing where all of a sudden Norman Powell um, in a couple of days is questionable for a game against Sacramento or a game against OKC? Does it feel that way? Because it kind of feels like it's sort of trending that way based on what Paul George did when he came back and he practiced. And you mentioned the on-court um, and what he did prior to the last game, does it feel like that's the case that it's certainly imminent or does it feel like maybe it's more like a week away? Because I remember last year when Patrick Beverly took the floor pregame um, and we thought, okay, that could mean he's back soon. And he was back, I believe the next game or the game right after that. So based on what you've seen with guys coming back from injuries, where does it feel like Norman Powell is? Yeah, it feels like it's close um, because again, I don't think you necessarily like take that, the floor um for you know he could have done that he could have had that same exact workout at any other point 
uh, you know, you do them for a reason, I think, whether it's for attention or, you know, to kind of signal to people like, hey, here's how, here's how close I am. So I do think he's pretty close. Um, you know, what I the missing thing for me is the missing information is sort of like there's always a ramp up period before you can play. Usually it's a couple of weeks um, for, for Paul George is about two weeks, really from when we started to get the 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 news that he was starting to play four on four against coaches and then five on five and then no limitations. So um, where that workout pregame, um, which looked pretty good, falls within sort of a ramp up period is something I'm unsure about. But uh, yeah, I mean, he looks like a guy who has all the confidence in the world. If you if you want to look at the winking, I mean, the two eye emojis. I mean, he looks like a guy who's definitely uh, wants to get out there again. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what they do with him because y- you kind of run the risk of hurting what you've established by bringing him back and throwing him in the mix when you mentioned the play-in game, whether he plays in that or not, and maybe you wait till the playoffs start if you do win the play-in game and maybe bring him back then. Because if you bring him back in that play-in game and all of a sudden that disrupts what you're doing, then perhaps you run the risk of kind of hurting what you've built. It's really a delicate balance for a team to figure out when you've got a player of Norman Powell's um, capability and what he can do on the floor, but you also don't want to disrupt what you've built because the Clippers have a couple of good wins um, in their last two. And of course, one of those games, everybody sat, but still it, it feels like the Clippers are starting to kind of build something and figure something out. And it's difficult to throw someone like Norman Powell in that mix. What would you do? I think that the guiding light I have over like the difficult question of reintegrating guys into the lineup uh, at such late stage in the year is again, the sort of the confidence players talk about uh, regarding Ty Lue and like, you know, you can give him a box full of jumbled puzzle pieces and, you know, give him a couple minutes and he'll probably be able to figure it out. I think that's the confidence that players have in him, which would lead me to think that there would be quite a bit of buy-in um, into trying to implement what's honestly like a really difficult thing like of, you know, bringing back, you know, Paul George and Norm Powell within the last, you know, six or seven games of the year, especially when those two guys haven't even played together. Um, and kind of all the, the rotational fallout, the ripple effect that would happen because of that, it would be really difficult. Um, but Ty has said, listen, like you want all the weapons you can get. And I think that the players would understand that, um, that Ty is all about winning. He always has been. That's what he communicates to players most clearly that nothing he ever does personally in terms of decisions he makes is ever personal. It's about winning. And I think they would understand that, you know, getting Norm Powell back, if indeed he's ready to go, that, that has to improve your chances of winning. Um, and so I, it's sort of, uh, this is, a. I think that there would be buy into that. Well, maybe other coaches there wouldn't be, you know, maybe, but I think with Ty, there, there seems to be something where guys say, listen, Hey, we'll put our trust in you that you're going to make this thing work. Yeah. I got a question for you based on what you said a little bit earlier and the rotations and you mentioned Amir coffee now being out of the rotation and I talked about this in the last podcast um, with Shap, And it's fascinating because you look at where the Clippers were um, when Paul George was hurt and you had guys like Amir coffee stepping up and you even look at the game, um, recently against Milwaukee, where Amir Coffey went nuts. And it's very difficult when you have a team like this with a bunch of good pieces to figure out who's in and who's out of the rotation. When do you play Luke Kennard? When do you play Terrence Mann, who you also mentioned has really taken a step forward over the last couple of weeks? What's your feel for the situation for that end of the bench for the Clippers? Because 
You've got guys, I mean, you have Zoo and Hart, obviously, that are your established one, two at the center position. But you've got those guys like Amir Coffey and, and Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard uh, and these guys coming off the bench that provide different things for this Clippers team. What? How do you think Ty Lue's going to manage it um, once the playoffs start? Because it seems like that's kind of going to be part of how they establish success is getting that one right. It's such a hard question to answer because as we've seen, like Ty will change his rotation game to game in the series or series to series to fit the the matchup and the opponent. So I don't know. My guess going into a round one matchup would probably um, not be accurate by like game three or or the next round if they get get that far. I mean, would you have ever thought last year that Patrick Beverly during a first round series would have been basically exiled to the bench midway through that Dallas series. Um, I certainly would not have, Um, you know, like just, so he's a guy who, again, will just sort of like say, Hey, this is not working and we're going to change things up and we're going to try this. And it's not personal. It's about winning. So what what would seem to be like a rational kind of breakdown of like, okay, I could see Luke maybe getting 10 minutes here or 15 minutes. Like, it could very well change based on a number of factors that only Ty knows. So I really think that the Amir Coffees and the, um, the Luke Kennards, they, and maybe even Hartenstein, depending on how much he wants to go small in the playoffs, like they have to be ready to play because we don't know when he might make one of those adjustments, one of those famed adjustments that's going to say, you know what, we're going to ride Luke or we're going to ride a player X who's been out of the rotation. All of a sudden you're in there. So I really don't know how he's going to manage the back of the bench other than um, he's going to make sure they're ready because they're going to be called upon at some point to make to do some sort of strategic adjustment that we don't necessarily see coming. Yeah, you're right. It does feel like it's one of those game-to-game situations. I mean, you look and you see Luke Kennard suddenly playing 30 minutes in a game um, when the Clippers need his scoring. And you look and there are certainly going to be games, like you said, where Hartenstein may play probably 15 to 20 minutes and they may maybe only play five if the Clippers decide to go Covington, Batum, Morris at the five position and kind of see where they go from there. It's it, That's one of the things that makes the Clippers so dangerous. And it goes back to the start of the podcast that we were talking about the expectations for this team. There's so many different lineups that this team can run out that it, it makes them kind of scary to face if you're an opponent. So I wonder I wonder what's going to happen with this team. And it kind of gets you excited, Andrew, because you don't know what this team is going to look like game to game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, um, and, and the team doesn't know that, you know, I think they, yeah. after last year has proven to players who, who were on that team last year, that um, it's going to, you have to stay fluid. You're going to have to keep yourself mentally engaged, you know, because it's not going to be a situation where other than the, you know, the PGs of the world, um, the you know the zoos maybe maybe not even zoo you know like you basically have to feel like a pg and uh reggie and and marcus and probably batum like outside of those guys you really don't know how you made them go night to night and so the, the kind of the mental confidence to lock in which is exactly what paul george talked about saying that he needs to, to be better at to be playoff ready and what the team needs to be better at to be playoff ready to be able to lock in and execute assignments um that is the number one thing that is going to, I think, be vital for like the players outside of that main top four or five, because you don't know 
when you're going to be called upon. Yeah, exactly. That's the beauty of this team. Folks, stop giving your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name. To get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription, it's super easy. Turning it on just takes one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass 2. Once more, that's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. Andrew, before you say goodbye, because I know you got to go to practice, where can people follow you? Where can they read you? What do you have coming up? Yeah, you can follow me uh, at Andrew Grice on Twitter, G-R-E-I-F. Um, and please read the LA Times. Uh, you know, I think we have some good stuff coming before the playoffs just because this team is so fascinating. Um, I, we're going to be traveling to every game for play-in and postseason, so we're going to be able to give readers on the ground sort of feeling of what it's like to be around the team in the next well i was going to say the next couple of weeks but however long they're in the playoffs um so yeah please give us a follow give us a, a subscription if you feel so uh, inclined and i appreciate you having me on man of course love having you on it's always a great conversation you're a super nice guy always willing to chat so it's been a blast and uh we'll look forward to chatting with you hopefully during a playoff run thanks a lot andrew thank you Well, hope you enjoyed that show. A good one with Andrew Greif. He is outstanding. Love having that guy on. Go subscribe to the LA Times. It's not expensive at all. And if you have a subscription to your house, you can even get the digital version as well. So go read his stuff. He does a tremendous job and works his butt off to make sure that people have the inside scoop of what's going on with the Clippers. And for the Clippers, they've got a game tomorrow at home against Phoenix, which should be an interesting one because it's going to be a back-to-back for Phoenix, who plays today and then a game against Sacramento on Saturday and then OKC on Sunday expect to see the starters get rested on Sunday Um, I would assume that that would be the case as the Clippers get ready for that 7-8 matchup against what looks like is going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves we're going to have a preview of that play-in game for you not sure when the Clippers are going to play on Sunday it could be as late as 6.30, so if that's the case, then most likely we'll record late on Sunday night, hoping to have Justin Wilson of LA Clippers film on to uh, look ahead to that play-in game, and then we'll be with you uh, throughout the playoffs. So looking forward to that. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus. If you like what you're listening to, go ahead, give us a five-star rating, review the podcast as well. It certainly does help. Before we say goodbye, I want to remind you all to use the coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. Also, check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use the code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. That should do it. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. A good one as we chat about what's going on with the Clippers season as we've just got three games left all at home for the Los Angeles Clippers as they get ready for another playoff push. Until next time, go Clips!